Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hello everyone, I'm your host Caroline Pudner. Now subject leadership is a real priority in primary schools, particularly since the focus has shifted from simply covering the core subjects to a fuller, broader curriculum that values all subjects. So I've invited Simon Hickton, our founder here at Cornerstones, who's also been a head teacher and subject leader, to talk through some of the main issues around subject leadership and to offer some tips on how to master it in your school. So you're ready for those subject deep dives. Simon's also written about this subject in our latest inspection edition of the Curriculum magazine, which you can download from our website. So hello, Simon. Hello, Caroline. Thanks for joining me today uh, for this really important topic. We've heard a lot about it over the last few months. I wonder if firstly I can ask you what you think about Ofsted's focus on a broader curriculum, uh, one that values all subjects. Finally. (laughs) <laughs> Thank goodness that we're actually looking at that broad and balanced curriculum that definitely as a, an NQT I went into uh, primary education wanting to teach that breadth yeah. uh, across the curriculum and not just uh, focus on certain subjects which just tended to happen in the past few years. So for me that's absolutely wonderful. Even better now that Ofsted are talking about a curriculum that enables learners to develop and discover their interests, talents and character. Mm. As somebody who read and sort of looked into Sir Ken Robinson and talked about children finding their element, finding their passions, you can do that when you give children that broad diet of different subjects within an exciting curriculum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now it's broader, of course, it's brought up this issue of subject leadership. It's not just about coordinating a subject that maybe happens once or twice a term it's actually a lot broader but maybe before that what does the actual term subject leadership mean to you Simon? Well I agree totally gone are the days uh, where you can just be a PE coordinator because you did football and cricket or whatever it was you did at uh, university and then I did football cricket and I got a biochemistry degree of all things so therefore I became the PE coordinator and the science coordinator and that's how it was whereas now subject leadership is is much bigger than that Mm. it needs that real expertise because it's about taking a subject forward within your school but within the whole curriculum and that's going to create an absolute minefield because subject leadership for me is about knowing the subject progression that's required in your school. It's about knowing the strengths and areas for development, not only of the curriculum, Mm. but also of the teachers. Yeah. And then, as always, the most important thing, the children. Yeah. How are they progressing in that subject? So you need systems and the ability to analyse it and analyse those subjects right down to that granular pupil level as well. Okay, so there's lots of aspects then involved with that role, and maybe we can look at who should be doing that in schools in a minute. But before that, you mentioned that that it is a big job, so it's obviously going to pose a few difficulties for certain primary schools, if not all primary schools will be finding this a challenge. What are the key challenges for them? If you think about the roles and responsibilities, especially small schools, Think how many hats a teacher wears anyway. 
yeah. But now if you chuck in that subject hats as well, then it is just massive. The workload issues there are huge for small schools, but also for larger schools, average size schools, because it's primary. Um, We're not talking about secondary where you specialise on one or maybe two subjects. You're talking about the plethora of subjects within the, right. the primary national curriculum and having to have some expertise in all of those. Um, so that is huge workload-wise, especially if you've not got the systems in place. Yeah. Uh, I remember way back when we were trying to say, oh, well, we can look at PE in two years' time. Oh, right, yeah. No longer. Mm. You can't put it on a two-year, three-year rolling programme. For now, we've got a slight transition mm. period of time. But this breadth, this broad and balanced curriculum, an ambitious curriculum, needs to be taught now. Yeah. Subject pedagogical content knowledge is massive as well. It's about knowing your subject, and it's about knowing about how to get the best out of the children, how to best teach those subjects. Yes, because I've heard a lot about, um, well, from the Ofsted deep dives as well, that they're not just expecting a teacher, say, in year four to know about year four. You have to have, like you say, a pedagogical understanding of how, say, history is taught in your school, what the children have learned previously and where it fits in the longer curriculum. That's exactly right, Caroline. It's that progression of learning. Where's that progression going to come from to know where are these children come from? Because we all know children might not have grasped something. So, okay, what were they taught last year? What do they need to know next year? Mm. That is becoming more and more important now. Yeah. And then you've got your gaps in your curriculum because we know you've got to teach the full national curriculum. Yeah. No gaps. Full subject coverage, which I'm sure we'll probably get onto later, yeah. but that's a key aspect of subject leadership now, is knowing are there any gaps in the whole school curriculum? And then it's about tracking and monitoring those, mm. making sure that what you've actually intended to teach is actually being taught, and just fitting everything in is a it's yeah. a challenge. It's a massive challenge. And like you say, you're, you're talking about gaps, but also like misunderstandings in a subject. Again, that comes from knowledge of the children, but knowledge of the subject, doesn't it? So That's right. Yeah, so I'm sure there are other challenges, but that they are some of the major ones we've been hearing from, you know, on Twitter and, and other places when you talk to head teachers and teachers about it. So the big question is, who should be doing it? Because that's also come up as a bit of a point of debate, is who should do primary school subject leadership? For me, everyone. Right. Absolutely everyone should be involved in subject leadership. We could go down the lines, political lines as union, saying this, that and the other, but actually we know in most primary schools, primary teachers want to do the best for the children. Mm. And the best for the children is if everybody is involved in subject leadership this is why systems are even more important now. We've got to take the burden of subject leadership off teachers so they can do the bits that only they can do. And mm. they can then bring their own expertise or external expertise to develop staff and areas of the curriculum that they might think, we've got a weakness here, we need to look at it, we need to develop it to make sure that teaching and learning across every subject in school is the best it can very be. It's not something that's just going to be dealt with overnight, it is an ongoing process. I mean, there will be people who are listening who may be subject leader for or responsible for a couple of subjects maybe in the Two school. Two at least, I would think, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose if people leave school as well, then there's an issue, isn't there? If you leave and all your subject expertise and your subject leadership goes with you, then there's a gap then. But then they leave 
and that leaves a huge gap mm -hmm. and that's why it's important to have things in place so it, you can cope with yeah. certain members of staff leaving so it's like centralized really That's a centralized right. overview which is what Ofsted talk about a lot is having a um everyone having a stake in the curriculum and understanding That's the progression right. of the curriculum so let's have a look now at the timetable issue because we said about workload and fitting everything in obviously at primary level you've got a lot of subjects to fit in how would you plan a rich curriculum given the restricted timetable this is the key in primary that uh, there is not enough time to teach every single subject in silos. Yes, we do believe that some subjects should be taught almost separately and can be taught separately, but this is where thematic cross-curricular uh, work is still imperative to fit everything in, and Ofsted acknowledge this in primary. Subjects do have to be explicit within projects. But, as I've said, it's impossible to fit everything in if you taught the subjects in silos. Research does currently state that where subjects are taught in a topic and it's not done well, that can weaken the learning mm. and the teaching. So what is absolutely key is having the subject-driven projects well-planned, well-thought-out, the interconnectedness that web of pulling everything together to support quality learning across subjects with a focus on particular subjects at key, at key moments in time for children, that's where you get quality teaching. Yes, because you need an overview of, say, history, which strands of history are coming up and in what order for children. They might come up in a cross-curricular project here, then another one there, and it's tracking that through the curriculum that exactly. is the art, isn't it? And where does that fit in with the larger context with the school's purpose for mm. their curriculum? How does it all interlink? How does it all fit? How does the learning in geography support the history and vice versa and science? So it is absolutely key to have this overarching view of the curriculum this progression model yeah that's the body of work that we've been doing is developing the knowledge rich projects but with an overview of how the subject discipline progresses through those projects okay Simon well I wonder if you could just explore this term with me because a lot of people talk about full subject coverage what constitutes that for me, it's the uh, taking the broad poems of study, and I always use the example of art and design, because there's so few poems of study in art and design that they are very broad. And it's about ensuring that the elements within those broad poems of study are covered. For example, art and design, it might say uh, drawing, painting and sculpture. Yeah. But actually, within your curriculum, are you actually just drawing? Or are you just painting? Are you doing sculpture work as well? So that's got to be reviewed. And that's also the role of a subject leader is to be able to tease these things out and make sure that you're getting full subject coverage. Right. But you've got to do every element of that program. Are you doing the elements? Yeah. Have you teased out what that means? What does that broad program study mean for your yeah. school, for each year group? Yeah. Because it might be that that is a key stage one program study, so that's year one, two. Mm. So it's making sure it's there. Mm. So it's actually quite a big task really isn't it you've got to get looking back at the national curriculum again haven't you and really really nailing it's down huge, what yes. the elements are looking at progress now how can you ensure children make progress in every subject not just english maths 
that's where like, I've, I've been in a very fortunate position that over the past couple of years, I've been able to talk to many, many senior leaders mm. uh, about the problems that they're facing and how they're trying to overcome those. And this is where that rigorous skills and knowledge framework comes in. Yeah. For every subject to have that behind everything that is planned. So it's very clear. It's not just the problem of a study but it's a very much a rigorous skills and knowledge framework. And then it's about the systems that a school needs to put in place to monitor what is actually being taught, not just what's planned to be taught, because yeah. they're two very different things. So many leaders have come to me and said, my concern is that, yeah, we've done all these plans and we've worked all this out, but it's not happening in the classroom. Mm. And so it's that monitoring of actual coverage that is so important because then you'll be able to start seeing well we've covered that but then you can start thinking out what has actually been learned by the children yeah that's and then the that's the progress because yes, yeah. the progress is what is being learned yeah. you've planned it are the children learning it if they are then that's the progress something else i've seen people talk about are the financial implications actually of subject leadership because to lead in each subject is going to have workload implications, but there are financial ones as well. A lot of that is time out of class. Mm. And I think what schools sometimes don't realise is how much that actually costs. Mm. It certainly costs in uh, time of draining staff if you're expecting them to do it out of school hours. But then to do it in school hours takes it away from the children and their day-to-day job, which mm. is the most important aspect of being a teacher. And some schools have the uh, advantage of being able to have people have non-contact or non-teaching staff. But even that, that is so hard because it's not something that you can say, right, I can do this for everybody. Mm. You can't take huge teams out. So that for me is the biggest cost. It's actually the time that it does take to do this right. Well, now let's have a look at the solutions. We've talked a lot about the issues around subject leadership, but Simon, I know you've been working on something that's actually in an article that you've written for the magazine that we've got on our website, the inspection special. You've nailed it down to three main stages, haven't you, of subject leadership. Could you talk us through those three stages? That's right. I like to keep things as simple as possible, so (laughs) I don't think things get much simpler than an ABC. So what I uh, looked at from the discussions I'm having with senior leaders uh, around the country and my own thoughts about what's important and what we were developing here at Cornerstones and how it all fitted into something was the key thing is to start with an analysis, to analyse. That means what you want planning to do or what you've currently got in place because there's lots of schools out there, some fabulous curriculums, but they need to analyse now the breadth of those and how it's all working. So it's about asking the hard questions, uh, asking what's really happening about coverage, about attainment within there, and that's the analyse the A bit. Mm. Then from there you've got B. B for me is build. That's when you've got to look at, right, I found some gaps, yeah, some major gaps here, and we've got to now build that subject up. We've got to create that subject so at the very least we've got full coverage. Mm. And we've also found that there might be particular gaps and that might be in the children's learning. Why? What can we build to support that? Do we have to create resources? And that's a whole different gamut. We talk about being able to create those quality resources that fit within that progression model 
Could build actually also mean build your curriculum from scratch. There could be schools listening who are at that point where they just think, no, the whole thing needs rebuilding. So it can be rebuild or build from scratch or even, like you said, analysing the gaps and the the weaknesses and building. build that progression framework that you need for a particular, it might be a particular subject or it might be the whole curriculum. And then for me, you've got the bit that is probably the, the fun bit as well. And uh, to get, get with the C, we put the cultivate. Oh. But I like that because it's about giving things time to embed and grow. And people make changes, but sometimes it's change, change, yeah. change. Take a step back, but give subject leaders the time to observe, mm. to work with staff, to see where there may be some, some issues. But what have they put in place for those issues? Is it working to yeah. improve their own pedagogical content yeah. knowledge? to bring in expertise when uh, needed, to observe, to monitor, and make sure that the learning of that subject is going well in school. Yeah, or it has future development plans. You know, I suppose if you've got Ofsted coming in and you've been cultivating, you can talk to them about, well, this is what we're planning to do and this is what's working already. It's enhancing what we're That's already exactly doing. That's exactly right. And then what you do is naturally at certain times of the year, you would flick back to the analyse and yeah. you say, right, let's answer those questions again. Let's look at attainment. Let's check that coverage is there. Once that's been done, you either flick straight back to cultivate again, mm. or you might think, whoa, we've got a major gap here. Mm. There's a major issue with some learning here or some staff development needed. Yeah. And then you go back to the build, and there's a, there's a bigger chunk of work to do there before you can just flick back to that cultivate yeah. again. Well, I think that's really simple. Hopefully people listening as well, that's, you know, just thinking of it in those three stages clarifies it obviously there's there's lots to do within each stage but those I don't think you can miss any of those stages out and if you do want to read Simon's more detailed explanation of the ABC of subject leadership it's in our magazine as I said so maybe let's take a look at what you have been developing um, Simon so for schools currently who do use curriculum maestro how is their subject leadership managed using that system? So there might be people, again, listening who are using Cornerstones and Maestro. How does it help them with these tasks? Well, again, in essence, uh, through work with what school leaders needed and subject leaders needed, we've been able to develop Curriculum Maestro. So it provides the systems to give them all that information. Mm. So that might be starting with the build, but definitely the analyse and build stages. So with the build, they can actually put a curriculum together based on a rigorous skills and knowledge framework. Then they can say, right, okay, what sort of coverage does that give me if I've created a curriculum with my own school projects in or Cornerstone's projects in there? What's the coverage? Mm. Then they can drill down, look at detailed coverage and say, right, okay, I want to analyse this now in more depth. And they can see elements that may be missing. So it's quick to do then, you can literally Just click and, and it gives Click you and support. see and think, okay. right, I've got a report of that, I can see that. Mm. And then, even better when you can look at the analyse stage, the analyse part of the process, where you're looking at individual yeah. children that maybe aren't getting something within your in the progression that they should be getting. Mm. Yeah. So subject leaders, teachers... Yeah can have meaningful discussions that are focusing on learning yeah. 
not on having to spend hours and hours trying to yeah. create things. I've heard this quite a few times, actually, from people who are using Maestro now. Uh, Vicky Musson, who's a fantastic director of education That's right, um, yeah. down in Whitney, uh, the Mill Academy Trust, and, she, and I talked to her recently about um, how she's using Maestro, but also about subject leadership, and she said she does not need to do subject leadership at her school in the way we understand it, because she said it's all on Curriculum Maestro. So she's using it for that and looking at how the children are progressing. So it's, she's finding it's helping with that. Exactly, yeah. that's right. I remember speaking to Vicky probably uh, nearly a year ago now and she was talking about the, the issues and I was saying, well, we t that's what we're trying to develop. So you've got a system in place that does that subject leadership for you yeah. and then you can focus on what you need to focus on yeah. because it also will tell you what's actually being taught. Mm. That was a big thing that Vicky talked about was, I'm concerned that what we've intended to teach yeah. isn't being taught. Yeah. Well, that's what it does. And then you can focus on what is actually being learned. Yeah, you need to know it's live and how it's actually impacting on subject learning at your school, don't you? Well, thank you ever so much, Simon. I hope for you, the listener, that's given you a whistle-stop tour, but, you know, some interesting things to think about. Whatever stage you're at with your curriculum and your subject leadership in your school, do take a look at the article and obviously get in touch if you want any more support or to see how the Maestro system can actually help you with it in your school. So thanks again for listening. Thank you to Simon for thanks. joining me today.